Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. So join me today as we read in Mark uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, Take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. This is the word of the Lord. So, hey, my name is Gabe McKinney. Um, I've been a Vine Covenant member for uh, about a year plus. I've been a member of this church for about a year plus, uh, which it's really sweet, and I love it. I love the idea of just like when I say church, it's not just a building. It's this group of people. It's this community that's welcomed me and loved me and laughed with me. Um, It's been amazing. Uh, A little bit about me. Uh, There's this game, True Truths and a Lie. Uh, so let me, I'll, that's like you say two truths, you say three things, which ones are truths, which ones are lies. Uh, so about me, I'm a husband to Tasha, um, who's also here, she's awesome. I'm an identical twin raised by a strong single mother. Uh, I'm a third, in my father's side, I'm a third generation luchador, so it's a Mexican wrestler. So my father and grandfather were Mexican wrestlers. I'm also the president of a national Christian fraternity called Bucks, or known as Medup Sankai. So uh, I just, I psych, it's not two truths, those four truths and zero lies, because church and integrity matters, and I'm not going to lie up here. So um, what I'm talking about today is, uh, is our distinctives. Um, I get to be the final distinctive, and it's being relationally, you see up here, it's relationally oriented. Um, and what that means is essentially is faith is not a journey alone, a faith journey is a team sport. Um, that we are interconnected and interdependent on God and each other to move forward and discover fully who we are. Uh, and, and I love that. And so if you see here, you, I'll read it real quick. Relationally oriented on the Vine website, these two things. One, we believe God does, does some of God's best work in the context of relationships. Uh, therefore, we will organize and orient our church to facilitate the power of significant friendship. And I love this. The vine has a simple mission to not follow Jesus alone, but to follow Jesus together. Uh, I love getting to talk about this really for two things. One, I feel like I'm a product of this by coming to the vine. And then two, 
uh, at some of my work and my job that I do. So number one, um, back, I don't know, a year or so ago, my wife Tasha and I were just like talking and we're like, let's, we need to pray to find a, like a church. We, we specifically want a church home where both of us can feel like uh, we just both belong. And like, you know, in marriage, you bring two different sets of spiritual beliefs and backgrounds. So how do we find that and do that? We're just going to ask God, who seems like just a good father, to be like, can you specifically give us a church home? Because we were like, are we going to have to go to different churches? We weren't sure. Uh, and so one faithful day, we're at Denada Cantina, if anyone's been there, uh, and we, this, our sweet friend Maggie Pruitt is there, and we're like, what's up, Maggie? Uh, and she, she, of course, is asking us as a good, faithful Christian, call, like, where, where do you go to church? Um, and we're like, we don't know, we're looking. She's like, you should check out the Vine. Uh, it has this thing called the Third Way, and I was like, what's that? Uh, and she, like, kind of explained it, and I was like, that's kind of beautiful and confusing. Let's go check it out. Uh, and so... Um, we, Tasha and I end up coming to the vine together, and, you know, our first, our first step is we are, we're greeted by these, like, glistening glazed donut holes. That's number one. Um, and then we are welcomed by people. Uh, and I, th- I remember, like, people just saying, hey, welcome, what's your name? Have you been here? And then this, this guy walks up who's wearing, like, Howler Bros clothes and kind of has longer hair, and it's like, he talks to us, that's Mark, the pastor. Um, and then we meet Fabs, and we're like, Fabs, is that, what, what, what's your name? You know, classic. Um, and, but we just kept getting, it just felt like we were just kept getting trapped in this, like, spider web of relationships and people. There wasn't a, an attempt to impress us or entertain us. There was just an attempt to welcome us as humans who have gotten here somewhere with baggage, with great, with gifts, with all these things that we were being welcomed. And then somehow I end up at an, we end up at an info meeting and we're eating tacos and we're like, here's how I got here. Then we end up in Mark's house and I'm like, why are we here? This is great. We're in a small group and now we lead our own small group here and now we are the spiders casting the web. We've gone from prey, prey to predator uh, for the goodness and relationships of God. Um, so that's, that's just one reason I think this is special to me. The second reason this is special to me is uh, what, how I spend my days in life is I try to help college Christian men aged 18 to 22 to help understand that they are made for brotherhood and unity in Christ is what we say, which I would say is Christ-centered friendship. Um, to help men see like you're the most, one of the most valuable skills you can give to yourself and others is being known and knowing each other and being honest and open and walking in relationship. And so I get to do that, and I've been a product of that, and I think uh, that's, that's really two big reasons why I love going to talk about this. And so uh, the last thing I want to say to kind of, as an intro for this is 1 Thessalonians 2, it says this, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. So there's this idea that we're not just made, like there's, we get drawn in by the good news of who Jesus is, which I'll get to, um, but then we get to share our lives. And so at a time of increased loneliness and disconnection, I hope today is not just another Sunday we show up and hear some mustache guy talk to you about relationships. I pray the spirit of God will freshly blow into our souls to make us feel reconnected to him and to each other. So that's going to be my hope and goal. All right, so why relationally oriented? Why, like, why is that our statement? Is that a good idea? And I want to say, well, first, relationships and friendships, they're built into the very fabric and DNA of all creation, right? Um, so one thing I want to do is I want to ask two questions. One, what's the biggest thing you can envision? And two, what's the smallest thing you can envision? If you need to, you can close your eyes and you can try to think, like, what's the biggest and smallest thing I can think of? Okay, time's up. 
what I've thought of, and I put it just because it's in my notes. Uh, I already pre-thought this. Um, I just put like grain of sand, massive star. Uh, I also earlier put atom and universe, but I was like, are those things that may be like cheating? You know, like, I don't know. Um, but the, the crazy thing is the smallest thing I can think of of a grain of sand and the great, largest thing I can think of of the star or the universe, they have the same atomic structure. So these elements, they're connected to one another. They exist in relationship, and there's this animating force or energy that's between them and has interconnectedness. And I want us to know, like, that idea, the same is true of our God, who is the, the triune God that we follow, and the same as this creation, all of us, right? Whether we, like, know this, we feel this. And we, as God's creation, will only discover who we fully are in relationship to God, one another, in this world. That you are not going to be fully discovered of who you are without God and his people in this world. Now, as I said, whether we know it or not, we feel it. Certain people, places, things, they unlock different parts of us, right? We have the great, epic, eras of eras, Taylor Swift, who many of her relationships and breakup theology songs help us discover ourselves in relationship. Um, we have the Beach Boys, who sing, God only knows what I'd be without you, teaching us what it means to miss one another. Uh, for me, I had uh, the Colorado Mountains. When we drive out there we're, and we're driving through this, like we're going 90 miles and then 30 miles per hour back and forth, we show up and I see mountains. And then there was a moment where I was quoted by a, my old boss and friend. I said, hello mountains, hello life. And I, like, that's, that's probably not like God's, that's a little bit idolatry. There's a thin line between celebrating God's creation, discovery, and idolatry. But I know there's just things. God's creation is music, his movies, his art, nature. All these different things help us discover ourselves because it's caught in the web of God's animating force of life, right? It's all this interconnectedness. And I believe people and relationships are actually the greatest gift of transformation and discovery. And so how do I, I in my world, I use Psalm 133.1 to help kind of break that idea down of like how people and relationships are one of the greatest gifts for that. One of the things that's kind of been a vision statement, it says this. There's three versions of it up here. In the Bucks world, we all say, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. But then I love these other versions, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. How wonderful and how beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. And so I'll, I'll riff on, start with good. I want to start with how good. When I say, I think we use that word, oh, that's good, or that's a good word, brother. Uh, we use good. And what it actually, what I understand it meaning in this place is like when God's people dwelling together in unity, what it's good means what God intends for his people for full life and flourishing. So community, relationship with God and one another is not, is not just an idea, it's our purpose. It's what we're made for. It's like it's, it was built into our DNA. And so let me riff on this for a second. We're relationally oriented. That is good because it, God is a relationally oriented God. And so we have to like go, I want to talk about this just like mosaic of scripture for us real quick. Before creation, there's a God existing and triune fellowship of love and goodness. This, this thing called a divine dance within God himself. And then out of the overflow of that goodness and love, we get created. So God says, I wanna share this with people. I wanna, I wanna share my love and my goodness. And we're created with friendship, relationship with God and one another. And then from there, we walk with God in friendship. We're like, we're walking with, the, with God unashamed, free, and then at a point, we walk away, right? We walk away. But then at that walking away point, God is consistently pursuing us, uh, befriending us. Even the first act of what we see is the fall. The first thing that happens when uh, Adam and Eve are like naked, ashamed, scared, 
God clothes them. He says, the first thing I'm going to do is an act of grace and friendship is give you clothes to walk out, even in betrayal of me. I make this joke of like you go from naked and afraid to clothed and confident. Um, and then from there, we see people who walked with God. We have Enoch and Noah, this metaphor of they walked with God. That was a model, of, it was a, a metaphor for friendship with God. We see Abraham is called a friend of God in Isaiah. We see the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as man speaks to his friends. We have models of friendship through Naomi and Ruth, David and Jonathan. Proverbs talks about you can't be wise without friendship. All of that mosaics the Old Testament. And then we get to Jesus, the exact representation of God's being. Jesus is called the friend of sinners. He came as a person to be with people. Jesus consistently ate meals with people. He just sat and had meals. Uh, Jesus calls his disciples friends. He makes them breakfast, more meals. The, te- the Lord's prayer is teeming with the plurals, our Father, give us, forgive us. Jesus invites his disciples to pray with him. There's a prayer of unity. Jesus is consistently caught up in relationships and friendship. It says, John 15, 13, says, God, there's no greater love than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. That this constant thing of relationship and friendship is, I'm still, the train is moving. Then you get to the New Testament of the Bible. You have 50 plus uses of one another. That there's this idea that we interact with one another. Love one another, bear with one another, forgive one another. And then at the end, we get to the end where scripture ends with a wedding feast, right? Where it's this intimate, beautiful reunion of deep relational intimacy between Jesus and his people. He gave his life up for us that he may take us back to him in friendship. And so that's the, it says, 1 Peter 2 says this, you're now the people of God. This is a relational God drawing people into a passionate relationship with him. And the thing we have to hear and understand, I hope we hear this morning, the first stop, you must understand that the primary story that you are caught in as a person is a relational one. It's a relational God, and this is a good thing and it's inescapable. And that's what it has to start with, right? I'm not saying if we don't, if we don't know the Lord or follow Jesus, it doesn't mean we're not going to have friends. I just think things will get confused. It will, we will have an impact on the friendships without God being the center of our lives. That our soul craves a certain friendship with God that can't be fulfilled in any other relationship to a thing, to a person, anything else. Those things enhance that relationship and love with God, but we have to have this, this relationship with Jesus who's going to climb and claw after your soul, who's going to make you feel unsettled until you come and say, it's not, you don't have to come be impressive. God doesn't make bad people good. He brings dead people to life. And so what he wants to do is he's just saying, I want a relationship with you. And then that's, that's what matters first, and that's why it's good. We're made for it. Part two uh, is how pleasant. So it says it's, richly an, it's a richly enjoyable gift, that community, relationally orienta- being relationally oriented is a gift. It's a pleasant gift. It's good. It's beautiful. It's sweet. Um, that I, I was like, how do I even talk about this? I, think, I was like, I think I just share stories of friendship, right? I think we all, I don't know if y'all were like this. In college, I was way too like spiritual, and I thought like there was like tiered friendships. I was like, well, this friendship isn't like a real friendship if we're not like getting really deep and vulnerable and praying for each other. And then I realized, as I got older, I was like, man, there's just this gift in like both casual, chill, relaxed friendship into deep friendship. And some, sometimes I just have a casual friendship, sometimes I have like a really deep one, and then I have a mixture of it. And I just want to be, I just want to learn to be less cynical, more grateful for each person God brings into my life and each amount of time I get, no matter what it looks like. So I have these people, um, I have Mike, and we do CrossFit together. And me and Mike, most of our conversations are yelling at each other, like, come on, um, we occasionally have coffee and talk more about life, but that, it's just a gift. It fills my soul up that I get to just be active and work out with my friend Mike. I have my friend Hayden that we play basketball every Wednesday. And I understand, I'm talking, hop, they're like, Gabe, you don't have kids. I'm like, yeah, I don't yet. We'll figure out how, what happens to all these hobbies and things when that happens. 
um, um, but I get to be, Hayden and I like play basketball. We're like, hey, man, you're doing well? Yeah, you're doing well. All right, let's play another game. But there's just this more casual aspect of friendship where it fills my soul to get to be active with him. Uh, I have Kelvin and Steph, this couple. They have a sweet little one-year-old kid, and they just invite me and Tasha over, to, and they make us dinner. I think because it's probably more convenient for them because their kid can't travel, but they get to welcome us into their home and family and love us well. And we have conversations about faith, life, work. It's just, it's just a sweet, beautiful, casual friendship. And then these deeper levels of friendship. I have Landon, Lacey, and I. We have weekly calls on Thursdays. We both live in spiritual leadership worlds, and I just go and just talk to him about life, and we pray for each other every time, every week. It's just a place of, I know I'm going to have to stop for prayer. I have David, I have David Regan, who models devotion and, d- and discipline. He's one of those people that you love and you hate. You're like, you know what? I'm going to intentionally get up early and read my Bible, and then like, he's just up before you. And he's like, oh, what's up, Gabe? Like, I was praying for you this morning. Um, <laughs> I have Aisha, Aisha, who helped me hear from God in a moment of a decision I had to make for my life, and she helped me just hear and understand God's call in my life. I have my wife, Tasha, who helps me remain tender and humble towards God and people, who reminds me to be more compassionate and open and honest um, with myself and with others. And so I just say all this to say, like, not only is relationships something we're made for, it's not only something we're intended for, relationships are also such a beautiful gift. It's just a pleasure, and it's a, God says, I'm not just going to give you something that's going to make you like, feel chained down. My burden is light. I'm going to give you something that's a gift, which is people. But the reality we face uh, that I know, as, as even I say that, all these cool stories of friendship, I know all of us come in here with the, different, with the reality, like relationships and friendships have the greatest potential for beauty and healing and joy, but then they also have the greatest potential for ugliness, pain, and sorrow, right? It's like the greatest place where we have transformation and God's going to be one of the places we can be most hurt. Friend, friendship is vulnerable, and some of us have deep wounds. And I want to talk about this real quick. Vulnerable, literally, talk, it's about opening oneself, to, oneself up to be wounded. It's the ability to open yourself up for attack. Um, to share about my story a little bit, uh, I carry my own wounds. A lot of my life uh, has been spent, how do I not be marked by the things happened to me, but about the truth that's spoken about me, right? A lot of my life I just walked marked by things that had happened to me, and I felt restricted and crippled by that, like a man who couldn't walk, right? I felt paralyzed. And so what happened was, for one to know, I have this awesome luchador dad history in me. I love it. It's the reason I can grow a mustache. It's like one day I'm going to be in a wrestling ring. It's going to be awesome. Um, but the reality, my dad left before I was born, right? He left, he, he took off, and I didn't meet him until I was 25. He wasn't a great man. But at what, what that marked me with was this, like, I felt like I didn't have what it took. I wasn't worthy or I was missing something to be a full part of who I was. And that marked me for so much of my life. It marked how I related to people, to men specifically, making male friendships. And then when I was younger and even, like, a, my, I don't know, 10 to 12, I had another friend who we became good friends but then the relationship turned into like an abusive relationship of some sorts. It happened for a year, and then I had to be marked by that and carry that. And so just for, for me to say, like, I understand and acknowledge, like, uh, I, I'm coming up here preaching and talking about like friendships, what we're made for, and friendships really good for us. But then friendships really hard. And so I don't want to like put away like a lot of us in here have have like tr- trust issues that are just just like justified. Uh, that, that we see them, and it's okay, and we hear them, and uh, it's okay if we're not even fully healed. We're just in the process of Jesus trying to work through healing. I want to just say one scripture I want to say. I want myself and y'all is just a, Psalm 34, 18 said, God is close to the brokenhearted, and he saved those who are crushed in spirit. 
Uh, for me, something, got that, something that's been amazing is the grace of Jesus has come washed over my life and the forgiveness he's given. I've been able to extend it to both my dad and a friend. I've been able to heal from that. I've been able just to bear my soul before Jesus and friends. The reason I've even gotten past those relationships is because of other relationships with God and people. And so I understand it's hard, and I want to just make sure, like, I'm, I'm not up here giving, like, the rosy colored glasses thing for this, right? Um, the other things that make it hard, and well, don't worry, we'll get hard, and then we'll get to some practical, and then we'll be landing the plane. I think the other things that make it hard that I want to just admit, the challenges are self, world, and enemy. So fun, the challenges of, that we just need to admit, the challenges of ourselves. The challenges of ourselves are things that I just shared. We just bring a lot of baggage. We, it's just hard. It gets weird when you walk into a room, you're just like, do I look okay? Like, oh, it's just like easy to like make things like about us. Like, did I say something weird, you know? Like, it's just, there's just like evil little like, it's a mixture of like us and the flesh and self that's like trying to twist things. It's beautiful. Like, I should be celebrating and like listening to this person, but I'm like partially judging them, partially like thinking about myself. And it's just so hard to take things take the lens and the spotlight off of our own selves when we're in a room with people and others, right? That's, I think that's number one, the hard part. Number two, the challenges of the world, which I think we're all familiar. I was going to be like, you know what? I'm going to say some profound statistics, but I was like, I think everyone already knows this about like, we have learned loneliness. We, we've adjusted to isolation because of COVID. We're more okay being alone than ever before. There's a friendship recession is what researchers are calling it. There's a drop in time with friends. There's a drop in our number of friends. All the trends are like down with friendship. Um, technology is offering us this pseudo version of friendship. Um, Tasha and I were talking, and she said, this psychologist said, it's hard to quit something that like almost works. Uh, and that social media a lot of times gives us a false sense of friendship and connection that makes it easy to lean on that versus true connection that kind of takes some, like you got to move past some difficulty and some barriers. We have our pace of life and our work priority. That hustle achievement culture makes us devalue friendship and doesn't give us enough time for it. All of these are the world we live in and the waters we swim in that we have to navigate and resist. The third one is the challenges of the enemy. Uh, and I know I say that and people are like, the enemy, I'm out of here. You're getting too ghosty, Gabe. Uh, I, and I just say it's true. Like, if God is presence and truth, the enemy is trying to use lies and isolation to, to put us apart from other people and himself. God's going to try to tell you false things about yourself based on things that have happened to you, based on insecurities. He's not, and, and the enemy is going to try to isolate you and pull you away from people and be like, this is okay. And it's not, because God says, I'm a God of presence and truth, pulling you to myself and others. And in all of this, it's just, like, genuinely tough to kind of make friends sometimes, right? It's just, like, especially, I'm, like, a, I'm a 30-year-old man now, and I think I'm just, like, I've, like, hit a peak of, like, I was kind of cool, but I'm kind of going back down. Like, I thought, pu- I thought I had to hit puberty once. <laughs> I'm, like, yo, what's up, diggity dog? And I'm, like, why did I do that? <laughs> like, uh, I never do that. Uh, and so I think there's just this, like, awkwardness and difficulty, right? That's just like, with all the things that I just talked about, the general challenges, the deep wounding, it's all like, how do we like bring our full selves honestly, openly, open for wounding and not, be, not walk away scared and secure and not out of that, let ourselves act differently or give a fake self off, right? I think uh, not even a performative self because that's not what God wants for us. He's calling us to be known and, in know, and being known, it's a beautiful, good thing for us. And so all of this to say, what do we do with it? What do we do with the calling, the beauty, and the challenges? What do we do? Well, number one, what I love about the Vine Church is it's here to be a place where we can build relationships. Uh, I don't know if that means joining a Vine group. I don't know if that means just showing up to the crawfish boil. Uh, I, just like, I love the Vine sets up events that aren't just like, we're going to just have a prayer meeting. It's like, we're just going to go to a brewery and hang out. Uh, and they're teaching us that we share lives, that we share our lives together. And it's really sweet and beautiful. Uh, and we, that's the opportunities open to everybody, uh, whether you're a first-timer or a long-timer, um, open to join and be a part of this community 
or even the people in the community, however it feels comfortable um, to you. Secondly, uh, what I think how we do this is, this is a story that was shared, Jesus and the paralytic. That's the story I'll talk about. To fin- this will be the last thing I'll uh, finish on. So the story, if you notice, is these, it's, it's, it says they, and then it's these four guys carry this paralytic to the house. They can't get into the house because it's bustling, because Jesus dropping a good word. And um, what they do is they, it says they take the roof off, and they blow him in the roof, and then um, he's healed, and he actually walks away at the end of the story, which is really amazing. Uh, and so what I want to know, uh, what I want to share is, first, let us notice, let's notice all the different barriers that were experienced to participation in this moment. One, the four, the four guys probably all had, I don't even know if they're friends or not, but it's like, this is a friend orientation right here. This is an or, relationally oriented to people. So whether four people have lives, have other things to do, probably have family, whatever, and they're like, you know, we're going to take this paralytic person we know, put him, and we're going to take him, right? That they were willing to give away their lives, they were pushed past the crowd, the, there's nothing was going to stop them from placing their friend before Jesus and to see their friend healed and Jesus to praise them for their faith. So we just, as I acknowledged the barriers earlier, this is what we're getting into. We must push through this to foster the community of compassion, solidarity, mutuality that we want. And so here's, here's the kind of send-off. We must, we're going to show up as givers, receivers, and celebrators. That's kind of my, like, more practical, how do we do this? So one, um, we're going to be givers of God's goodness, receivers of God's goodness, and celebrators of God's goodness. So number one, we're going to show up as givers. Um, there's this wa- amazingly, like, kind of impactful story on me. We were, my wife and I were listening to a podcast about re- this woman who researches every school shooting that happens in America, which has got to be a tough job. But she talked about a story of somebody that, like, it was actually a- averted. Like, it was, we, uh, it was averted. It was dodged, right? This woman researched a school shooting in America. There's a story of a boy who was planning on it. He was so lonely, so depressed and hurt and angry uh, and he got invited to a friend's house, and he showed up, and then when he showed up, the friend's mom had, like, randomly decided to bake a cake for this kid. He's like, hey, I made you a cake. Uh, and because that, like, act of kindness to that kid showed him, like, he had some worth and value and was loved. And he, he was, he no longer, he's like, I'm not going to do this school shooting. I'm going to throw away the plans. Like, I, he, for, something woke up this, like, value in him as a kid. Uh, and it, was, it changed his trajectory. All right, that's like an extreme version, but I want to say, and I, I think, but the reality is we got to show up as givers, not just of things, but givers that the, only the Spirit of God can help us do, right? For the forgiveness, the compassion, graciousness, patience, feedback, letting everything done in love, it requires the Spirit of God in us to be alive. That we have to, one, cultivate a relationship with Jesus, and then two, have space enough to welcome in his Spirit, because we can do that kind of with our friends we like, but what about when there's someone you don't like? Do you forgive them or not? I think Jesus resets the barriers, boundaries, and the playbook for friendship, and we want to live into that. So we want to be givers, and I really think the Vine's a really amazing group of people that is good at giving. I've experienced it myself. I've just been blessed over and over. The, the God of abundance has blessed me through these people. And then second, um, I think this is the harder one. We want to show up as receivers. Being the one, we, want to, we have to show up as the paralytic sometimes, which is, I think, one of the hardest things for us in America to do. Um, let me start with a story. So when I was at my fraternity, I went to Texas A&M University. Whoop! Uh, I always tell people the most successful cult in America. Um, we also creates a lot of sports trauma in your life, so definitely going to be in counseling for years for that. Um, but when I was at my fraternity in college at A&M, uh, my brother and I were at our house. Uh, we, we just spent, but it was like three to four years we were in the fraternity. 
uh, and made some incredible friends. Honestly, not just learn how to have fun, learn how to pray, learn how to walk through spiritual disciplines. One day, uh, we get a knock at our door, and there's an envelope that gets dropped at the door. We don't know. We open it, get an envelope. We're like, what is this? We open it, and there's a letter inside of it. And the letter's like, dear Gabriel and Elijah, we love you guys. We care for y'all. We, know, we just like, hope this helps your family and you. Love, anonymous bucks guys. And I'm like, cool. What is that? And then the, in the envelope is uh, it's like two or $3,000 in cash. Which one? How did you get cash? Like, we don't do that anymore. I was like, <laughs> it's like, check your Venmo. It's like, uh, but there's just cash in this envelope. And we're like, wow. And what we realized was um, our mo- somehow our Bucks guys had learned through us. Uh, we weren't like flaunting this, but they had known us deeply in our stories. They knew our mom had been out of work for years on disability, that she had a car that no longer worked. And so what they decided to do was get a bunch of money together and give it to us so that we could give it to our mom so she could go get a used car. And so what we did is we take that money, we hold on to it to like another month until Christmas. We go to Christmas, we go like, we got a final present, mom. We show her. It's like, yeah, and she's like excited. And she goes and she is able to use that money to go get a used car. Um, and then she buys that used car and then she drives to a job interview at Parkland Hospital in Dallas and gets a job and still works that job today, like 10 plus years later. Uh, and, and it was just this beautiful, I, I can't imagine if I was like, no thanks. I was like, that's too much. And I was like, I'm good. Um, the, funny, the, great, the funny, hilarious part of the story is like, like two, three months later, my brother falls off his bike. He busts his teeth on the concrete and like gets mountain teeth. Um, and out of nowhere, we get another envelope with cash. Like, love anonymous bucks, guys. I'm like, all right, chill out. We're not. This isn't it. We don't need this. This isn't make a wish anymore. Like, <laughs> I was like, I'm done being a receiver. Um, but the beauty was, um, we just, it was a moment that like cracked my heart open to the door of like, you know, this blessed not just me, but my whole family. This blessed my mom. My mom needed to be blessed and I, we weren't able to do it. And so there's just moments where we are gonna be the paralytic in some way. We're the paralytic in a way that we're tired. We're the paralytic that we don't have faith enough to trust in Jesus. And we just need people to carry us to the foot of Jesus. And that the, my challenge to this crew of people that you will just open yourself, if you struggle with that, you'll just open yourself up a little more to Jesus and to be a receiver. I don't know if that means, sometimes for me that means like opening my hands up in prayer and just saying like, God, instead of praying up here, like it helps me to just even posture myself in prayer sometimes. Sometimes that means you just have to go, like this past week I had to tell my wife and my friend Landon, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I feel off and I just need to admit that to you and bear my soul before you and tell you like, I just don't know what's going on. We just have we will, not, we will not be fully giving from abundance if we never receive. We will just give what, all, what we can off of our own strength, and God has more for us there. And lastly, we need to show up as celebrators. Um, this is, we, we just need to be present. There's times where God's gonna do stuff in other people's, this is the thing when I talked about self. What's easy is we can see someone else be celebrated and have God pour out blessing on their life and just be annoyed or frustrated or jealous, Right? And we just have to learn. I, I had to learn myself and my just angsty, like, deconstructing college self that wanted to be a cynic and criticize everything. I was like, well, how can I practice being grateful and thankful and see the good before I criticize something? Um, how can I start beginning to just be a celebrator of the people? How can I, when I see something good, I can say it in their lives? Not just try to turn things and make it about me or why it's not about me, but make things about it. When I see something in other people's life, celebrate it with them. There's even, if you see it in the scripture, you would see there's a group of the Pharisees who questioned God in their hearts. And then there's another group who were amazed at what he did. And I would say, honestly, a lot of us sometimes just have both of those feelings in our hearts. We're like kind of questioning, kind of amazed at the same time. 
But I said, God, I welcome your spirit. Your spirit is a spirit of tenderness, of, of celebration, of encouragement to one another. So how do we step into celebration more than cynicism and criticism? Quote on that, um, a Jesuit priest and founder of Homeboy Industries, um, Gregory Boyle, it's a, like a rehab for gang members. It, he says, it would seem that quite possibly the ultimate measure of health in any community might well reside in our ability to stand in awe at what folks have to carry rather than in judgment how they carry it. It's really sweet. Um, and so to finish, I, um, the last, I think the last comfort we can have, being relationally oriented, the last comfort we have is we don't have to like, be perfect and nail it. We don't have to look good. We, don't, we can be messy people. The church, is, the church, the body of God is filled with, like, you, I love it, the Proverbs are like sluggards, backsliders, idolaters. Like, we're just messy. It's not like, are you good or bad? It's like we all just have grossness in us, but we're all saved and welcomed by the grace of God. I find the comfort in the group of the disciples who walked with Jesus. Jesus walked, welcomed these 12 people who were messes. He had to like rebuke them. They were like, you want us to burn down this city? He's like, no. Um, no, don't do that. Um, and there's just this beautiful picture of like the disciples were so messy, but they were friends of Jesus, some of his closest friends that he welcomed. And that we get to be that too. That we have the same access and same relationship. Um, and lastly, to, to, to kind of wherever we find ourselves in this room, wherever you are, I just want, to, I want you to hear um, you're loved by God first. And if that doesn't hit you, then you're not just loved, you're also liked by God. That he enjoys who you are. He enjoys your weirdness, your greatness, your gifts, your weaknesses. That says Psalm 103 says he remembers that we are dust and he has compassion on us. That he made us out of the dust and that he loves us. That wherever you are in friendship, whether you've lost them, whether family's hard, with anything, I just pray you remember um, this is what we're made for and it's good, even when it's hard. That we're all on this journey of maybe God's in a place of healing, maybe God's in a place of us being the be givers, receivers, that wherever we find ourselves on the scale of friendship, we can know there's a God who is always befriending us and gave everything up for us when we had nothing to offer as friends. Um, and so I pray we walk that out and walk that deeply. And I pray that's just a refreshment for us as we walk out today. So let me pray. Lord, I thank you for friendship with you. That you have um, moved towards all of us when we didn't really deserve it. We didn't even, whether we welcome it or not, you were always moving towards us with love and compassion and grace. Um, your steadfast love never ends, and your mercies are new every single day for us. You don't hold us. You don't look at an old version of us. You don't look at a mess up we had in the, our past or a screw up or something that happened to us. You look at us and call us sons and daughters, and you welcome us. Um, God, I pray for people. And if there's a broken relationship, I pray for that. There's just a journey of healing and restoration now. Pray for where there's loneliness. God, you will bring in presence and comfort, and you will bring people surrounding the lonely. Pray for the hurt, uh, God, that we will just bring our hurts before you and you will guide us and shepherd us through what that means to heal. I pray that you have a special blessing and anointment over this church of being relationally oriented people, that we aren't entertaining each other, impressing each other. What we are doing is getting to let our souls be bare before one another, bumping into each other and all having unity around you as our God, Jesus. So we love you, thank you. Thank you that I'm a product of just all the relationships you've blessed me with, with you and people that I'm just so grateful.
We hope you found this message encouraging. If you would like to learn more about The Vine, get connected to our community, or contribute financially to The Vine's ministry, go to our website at thevineaustin.org.